The Breakdown Politics with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies telling you what you need to know regarding politics breaking it down politics Welcome to another episode of Politrix with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies. Merck, do your thing. All right, all right. We're going to go ahead and get this started. got a lot of stuff on the, on the docket today. We're not going to get to all of it. We'll try to get to as much of it as we, as we possibly can. And uh, I, I got to start off by saying I am a nerd, not just a political nerd, but also a nerd nerd. I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons, been playing since I was 12 years old, and I still play. My nephew plays, you know, we still have fun with it. But I saw something the other day that caught my eye. In blue, you don't play D&D, right? I used to play when I was in um, middle school. Okay, so you might know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. When you have a character in D&D, they have an alignment, and your, li- your alignment governs how your character acts in-game, Okay. So either you're good, you're neutral, or you're evil, and there's different degrees to all three. So Kind of like a Jedi Order. I got you. Yep. So I was looking over, because, uh, you know, I was trying to get back into a D&D a little bit. I was, well, let's face it, I was bored. And I was just looking over my D&D books, and I was looking over the alignments, and something seemed a little bit familiar to me. Okay? I want you to bear with me on this. So as far as evil goes, there's three types of evil. Okay? Chaotic evil. Mm-hmm. Neutral evil, lawful evil. Okay. For chaotic evil, tell me who this sounds like to you. I know you already know the answer, but just tell me if this is accurate. Okay. A chaotic evil character tends to have no respect for rules, other people's lives, or anything but their own desires, which are typically selfish and cruel. They set a high value on personal freedom, but do not have much regard for the lives or freedom of other people. Chaotic evil characters do not work well in groups because they resent being given orders and do not usually behave themselves unless there's no alternative. Okay? Of course, you know the answer, but who does that sound like to you? Um, Donald F. Trump. That is correct. But when I saw a neutral evil, all right, check this out. A neutral evil character is typically selfish and has no qualms about turning on allies of the moment and usually makes allies primarily to further their own goal. A neutral evil character has no compunctions about harming others to get what they want, but neither will they go out of their way to cause carnage or mayhem when they see no direct benefit for themselves. Okay, I got you. Okay. That sounds like Amorosa. Yeah. That does sound like Omarosa. And I was saying that Trump was kind of uh, skating between both neutral and chaotic, but Omarosa, yeah. You you figure people like Omarosa, people like, uh, you know, like Candace Owens and stuff like that, like they will, uh, like Candace Owens is basically just in it for the money. And I forgot who said this, I forgot who said this today. I was on my lunch break. And somebody said it, it feels – oh, they were talking about um, 
Dinesh D'Souza. He has a, he has a new propaganda movie out, and they said that the right just loves brown and black people who come out and just tell Republicans exactly what they want to hear. And when that happens, Republican donors just throw tons of money at them. And they just figure, oh, okay, this is lucrative. I'll just keep doing this. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, the last type of evil is lawful evil. The lawful evil to me is the oligarchs, right? A lawful evil character sees a well-ordered system as being easier to exploit and shows a combination of desirable and undesirable traits, okay? And what, may, what caught my eye is that the type of character that usually falls into lawful evil, even in the D&D world, devils. So you figure devils, while they are evil, and nothing about them, even though they may become attractive as far as what they say and what they do in order to get people in, Right? And I don't mean like how Donald Trump does it, because Donald Trump does it with something hideous, like racism. So he'll just come out on his first day, Mexicans are rapists and, and, and thieves. Some might be good people. You know, he's not using anything really attractive in order to get people in. He just feeds the people's lizard brains, their ugly sides, to get them in. You know? But you figure someone like the Koch brothers or someone like the Mercers, they will fund organizations that take... Oh, I, I wish I was one of the Mercers. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be fighting these dental bills if I was one of the Mer- if I was one of those Mercers. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but um, with them, they make these uh, think tanks and all these things to make racism and just looking down on the people just seem logical. Like the the intellectual dark web, is, which is basically just. Racists with college degrees, as I call them, you know. So, but the thing is, they like things the way they are. They don't want the system to change. So when you have an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Bernie Sanders, you know, or Tulsi Gabbard talking about uh, change, they don't want change because the way the system works now is perfect for them. They can exploit that system, make money hand over fist, you know. But, there's some, but the thing about lawful evil is that they have a code of conduct. There are certain lines that they won't cross. So it's like being an assassin who doesn't kill women and children or a drug dealer who won't sell the kids you know, or a pimp who won't turn out young girls. He'd rather get girls who are already willing to sell their bodies and not like get 13 to 14-year-olds and turn them out. Like they have that code of conduct, but that doesn't make them good people. It just means they have a line that they won't cross, you know. So it, it, it was just weird to me when reading this over how so many aspects of the Republican part of the right just fit so neatly into that description of evils. And you figure they wrote these books back in what, the early 70s, late 60s? So it's not like they knew who the Koch brothers were back in the 60s. All I'm going to base on the Koch brothers. I'm going to base on Trump and Omarosa. It's just weird how they just fit into that, you know. But speaking it's of evil, weird, is it the fact that they base it on kind of like mirroring the norms of society, of culture, mm-hmm. and these norms have always been here. It's just because maybe we're more exposed to it because of social media, it seems more prominent today. Do you think that 
this yep. any different from the Reagan administration? I don't think so. I just think he doesn't have as much exposure to the inside workings of it as we do now. You're absolutely right. You figure somebody like uh, like Charlie Kirk, Turning Point USA, you know, if he didn't have social media, he would be standing on a street corner on top of a, a top of a crate spouting this garbage, and people would just be walking by him like whatever. And you'd have a couple people who'd be like, hey, this guy's crazy just like me. But for the most part, people would just be walking past him like, oh, he's just some nut job on the street. But if you're able to get on Twitter and get a blue check next to your name, then people will listen to what you have to say, even if what you have to say is ridiculous. Man, I want a blue check. I got to figure out how to get one. Well, you can actually buy one. Oh, not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I, have, I get maybe one, maybe two retweets a week if I'm on, if I'm, if I tweet every day, I'll get maybe one retweet and maybe two likes. So Man, that's I don't even be on Twitter. I might have got I got one like in my whole lifetime. I've been on Twitter since 2009. I might have 247. No, I got 599 followers. I don't know shit about Twitter. I don't. I just can't. I still to this day can't get into Twitter. I want to get into it so bad because it seems so political, energized, and it seems like it can just get right. things done. But it's just not working. I can't do it. And it it's talking about pictures. And I know you can do pictures on Twitter. It just doesn't feel natural, man. I don't know. For me, it's, it's off and on. Because I'll be on, if I have just some things I want to get, get off my chest that may be too edgy for Facebook, I'll get on Twitter and say it. But, um, yeah, that's what I kind of did today. I said something to the effect of, um, man, what the fuck was I talking about? It was something about, I don't know, whatever it was. It was like, ah, I'm not going to put that on Facebook. He'd be like, what the fuck is he talking about? But he'd put be like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a on-again, off-again thing. Like, sometimes I'll be into it heavy, and then sometimes I won't be on it for weeks. Oh, you there know? we go. There it was. I was at Chick-fil-A, and they raised the prices again. So I, I tweeted <laughs> Damn, Chick-fil-A raised their prices again. I'm so done. Transitioning to veganism. The hashtag black vegan. I don't know why I wouldn't put that on Facebook, but because mine is more of a – I use my Facebook more for advertising, and I don't get too fucked about Twitter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but there are some people who – I mean, people who I've never heard of who get, like, 5,000 likes and, like, um, 2,000 retweets. You know, somebody who's not Chris Evans or who is not um, Jamel Hill who will have that type of action on Twitter, and I don't know how to do that. I have no clue how to do that. But then again, I don't have a blue check next to my name, so maybe that might be part of it. <laughs> blue lives matter. <laughs> okay. I, I can only say that as a joke. I don't know. Change your username. Make it something like Hotty Toddy 24 Put, your, put a sexy booby picture up, you know, post a couple news, then switch back to Marshall Prescott. That's how you get your check, baby. <laughs> <laughs> just, just trick people into getting that blue check. Mm-hmm. I thought you was a sexy booty girl. <laughs> your ass. That's, a, that's my wife, nigga. What? <laughs> You're just some bald middle-aged dude. Give my check back. <laughs> yeah, but, um, 
I, I, I saw something interesting on uh, Young Turks talking about Rex Tillerson. And I don't pay attention to Rex Tillerson, number one, because he doesn't have a job anymore. I will say this. I've never seen anybody who basically took a job as Secretary of State, and that was a downgrade for him. Like, Mitt Romney was willing to basically become like Reek from uh, Game of Thrones to get that job. And uh, that would have been a major step up for Mitt Romney. But for Rex Tillerson, who was the, the CEO of ExxonMobil, he already has more money than he could earn from that job ever. He was a former CEO right. of ExxonMobil. He still works at ExxonMobil. So he is, a, he, is a, he is very, very rich. So taking that job was basically a downgrade for him. And then he ended up getting forced out. And I was watching Young Turks, and they were talking about Rex Tillerson, because I'm like, what happened with Rex? Because Rex has been gone for quite a while, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I found out something about him that I didn't know, and this doesn't make him a good guy, you know? But it just means, like, just, just how much of a psychopath Donald Trump is and how much of a psychopath the, uh, the Saudis are. Talking about not the people themselves, of course, but talking about the, uh, the monarchy in Saudi Arabia, right? Because the, the thing is, the reason why Rex Tillerson got forced out is because the Saudis wanted him forced out. And the Saudis knew about it before the American public even knew about it, that Tillerson was getting fired. You know. And one of the reasons why is because Tillerson was against Saudi Arabia uh, invading uh, Qatar or Qatar. Some people call it Qatar. I call it Qatar. Right. And Qatar is not, you know, a babe in the woods, you know. They're, they're a dictatorship themselves. They have, they have a lot of issues going on. But Saudi Arabia wanted to invade them. And, of course, Saudi Arabia has the, uh, the manpower to do it because they buy weapons from us in, in Britain. People, I mean, they have tons of money. People sell them weapons. So they have tanks and planes and missiles and all types of stuff. So they could do it, but they wouldn't have the justification for it. And Trump would just let them do it because it's Saudi Arabia. You know, all these administrations, uh, Trump administration, Bush administration, even Obama's, they seem to kiss Saudi Arabia's ass, and it's only for their oil. But here's the problem with Saudi Arabia and why they want to invade Qatar. Their oil is running out. It's a... It's a uh, uh, you know, you ever watch Mike Tyson box back in the day, and he had that combination, the body blow uppercut. And when, when we watch the video, you see that connect. You are like, how is that guy still alive? How does how does his head not pop off his body like those rock'em sock'em robots? So you get you get that stiff body blow, and then he comes with that uppercut and just and just catches right underneath the jaw. That's what's happening in Saudi Arabia. They're getting that body blow uppercut going on because, number one, they're running out of oil, okay? And anybody who told them that oil was forever uh, is an idiot. And the fact that they listen makes them idiots because no energy source that you pull out of the ground is infinite. It's going to run out sooner or later, right? And then that's the body blow. The uppercut is that oil is cheap now compared to how it was. So oil used to be in its heyday during the Bush administration. Oil was going for 
hundred hundred and ten dollars a barrel, which is uh, which is horrible. This is back when gas was hitting almost four dollars a gallon. Now oil is made between fifty, maybe fifty-five dollars a barrel. So it's half of what it was. Why? Because of natural gas. Because of fracking, and that's basically. Like saying, well, Lucifer is bad enough. Let's just bring in Baal's above. Yeah, it's still a devil. You're still going to hell. You're still going to burn. I saw a video this morning uh, when I was doing some writing before work of a lady who uh, has fracking going on in her area. And she was literally, and there were so many videos of this, but hers was the most intriguing. She was literally lighting her tap water on fire. So tap water's coming down the you know, thing, and she's striking matches, and it's like fireballs coming out of her tap. So fracking is horrible, but so is drilling for oil, you know. But as long as people can make billions of dollars off it, they'll just keep doing it. But because of the competition from fracking, the price of oil is going down, and then they're losing oil. Qatar has tons of oil and tons of gas reserves, which Saudi Arabia now wants. Now, if you're as rich as Saudi Arabia, right, why would you care? Because Saudi Arabia, they're, they're just filthy, stinking rich. They had, uh, I saw a video, this is back during the, uh, the Bush administration. I guess some one of the sheikhs were bored, so he had his car plated in silver. So he's in the desert, driving around the desert in a, car, in a silver-plated car, because that's how much money he has, how bored he is. Because something he hasn't done before. I'm, I'm going to plate my car in silver. But the problem is, is that you have, these guys are just like Donald Trump, but with way more money. And what I mean by that is, you have people who never worked a day in their lives and just were born billionaires. So they spend money like it's going out of style because they didn't have to work for it. As soon as they were born, instant billionaire. The, uh, one, one of the, the Saudi princes put it like this. We were ragging on um, Betsy DeVos because she has 10 yachts. And the yacht that they, uh, that they set adrift is a $40 million yacht. Right? One of the Saudi princes has a yacht that's worth $500 million. He has a half a billion dollar yacht. Half a billion dollars. And you know they don't just make half a billion dollar yachts hoping that somebody's going to buy one. So they probably had to make the damn thing from scratch. Which is absolutely ridiculous. These people spend money like crazy and now they're facing the prospect of, oh, well, we spend all this money on bullshit, and now we're running out of oil, and the oil we have is half the value that it was 10 years ago. And it's not going back up because of all the competition between fracking, solar, wind. So what are you going to do? Take other people's oil and gas. And who put a stop to that? Rex Tillerson. And that's why they fired Rex Tillerson. Why do we kiss Saudi Arabia's asses beyond me? Everybody harps about 9-11, right? And... I'm not saying, I, I, I say that now because 9-11 was what, 17 years ago, 18 years ago? 
So it wasn't as terrifying as it was on that day. I was in D.C. when 9-11 happened, and it was just controlled chaos. You know, I had a lot of friends in New York. I had to make, and this is back before we had, like, social media the way we have now. We didn't have Facebook and have a check-in, you know, to make sure everybody's okay. You had to get on the phone and call people and email people and be like, yo, when you get this email, hit me back just so I know you're okay, you know. So 18 years later, 17 years later, I can just dismiss it like, yeah, everybody's talking about 9-11, but it was a horrible thing that happened. Remember one thing. Of the 19 hijackers, 15 of them were from Saudi Arabia. Osama bin Laden was born in Saudi Arabia. Why are we kissing these people's asses? Because of oil. That's all there is to it. So if they didn't have oil, we wouldn't even know. We wouldn't even know their names. We wouldn't know the name of their leaders. We wouldn't give a shit. You know. But Rex Tillerson avoided, helped us avoid a war. And he paid for it with his job. Not that he cares. He's still a billionaire. <laughs> so it's not like he lost his job and had to go on food stamps. He's, now he can go back to his awesome life. Instead of doing the thankless job of being Secretary of State to Donald Trump. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting because you figure of all the people in the world, because Rex Tillerson got into office not because he's savvy, it's because he's a friend of Russia. Literal friend of Russia, they gave him an award. Okay? So it's not just me being glib. They gave him an actual award that he's a friend to Russia. They gave him like a, a friendship award or something like that because of his work with ExxonMobil. And I, I, I've said this before, so I won't go to, into it too deep, but, you know, their hope was to get those sanctions lifted so they can pull all that oil uh, out of the ocean. And now that oil is half of the price of what it was a few years back, it's not worth it anymore to do that. So they scrapped the deal altogether. Maybe that's another reason why they let Rex Tillerson go. But, I mean, with the Trump administration, things are just going backwards. You know, I'm a progressive. You know, I want to see things move forward, even if it's something that doesn't involve me. Because I guess I'm not just a progressive. I'm a humanist. You know, I care about other human beings. Just because it's not my kid in the cage in, on the border doesn't mean that, I, that my heart doesn't bleed for little kids in cages. You know, just because I'm not gay doesn't mean that a gay person should be discriminated against, you know, fired from their job, not be, even be able to buy a wedding cake because somebody read the Bible wrong. You know. But this whole anti-progress thing that Trump is on is ridiculous. But anything that where Trump goes backwards it's pretty much just all about money for him and his, and his cronies. You know, like asbestos. When I heard about asbestos, I was like, you've got to be, you got to be, you got to be kidding me. Asbestos is making a comeback. This is from the New York Times, right? Top officials at the Environmental Protection Agency pushed through a, me pushed through a measure 
to review applications for using asbestos in consumer products and did so over the objections of the EPA's in-house scientists and lawyers. Okay? So their scientists and lawyers were like, no, 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 no. And, the, you know, the Trump administration and their cronies were like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to do that. Okay? The clash over the proposal, the proposal exposed the tensions within the EPA over the Trump administration's efforts to roll back environmental rules and rewrite other regulations that industries have long fought. Okay. Um, asbestos, a naturally occurring mineral and known carcinogen, was once common in insulation and fireproofing materials, but today most developed countries ban it. The United States still allows limited use in products including gaskets, roofing materials, and sealants. And for those of you who don't know what a carcinogen is, it's basically uh, something that causes cancer. Like we talked about uh, when they had the recall on those Shrek glasses, right, from the, from the movie. McDonald's had it. They used paint. They used the wrong paint on the outside of the glasses. It had cadmium in it. Cadmium is a carcinogen. If you ingest it or ingest enough of it, it can cause cancer. Asbestos, they, they found even just a few fibers, if you ingest it, can cause cancer, which is why they stopped using it in, uh, in homes and why its use is strictly limited. And uh, in most countries, like they, like they said, they mostly ban it. Yeah. So also from the Times, the United States no longer mines or manufactures asbestos. Okay. Until recently, Brazil had been the source of about 95% of all asbestos used in America, according to the EPA. But last year, that country banned its manufacture and sale. Now, here's the important part. I want you to pay attention to. Okay? Since then, Russia has stepped in as a supplier. One Russian producer recently signaled enthusiasm for the American market. Last month, the Russian firm uh, Uralazbest, if I'm pronouncing that right, posted on Facebook an image of its asbestos packaging that featured President Trump's face, along with the words, approved by Donald Trump, 45th President of the United States. The company is one of the world's largest producers and sellers of asbestos. Okay? So... Anybody who thought this story wasn't going to end this way has probably not been listening to the show before or probably just has not been paying attention to anything Donald Trump has done. Anything Donald Trump does that seems stupid, it's stupid to normal people like me and you. Like, we think that bringing back asbestos is, is just fucking ridiculous because it causes cancer. But if you have people who are Donald Trump's friends, or in this case, his master's, who are making money off of it, then by all means. So they expand asbestos, and now that Brazil is out of the market, it just opens it up for the Russians. So the Russians can just keep shipping asbestos to us, killing us with, with, our, with our own products. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Because it's not like everything that we consume is not death. It's not that the food we eat is not death, or the air we breathe is not death, or the water we drink is not death. Now it's got to be in our insulation again. But 
who cares? Because some Russian oligarchs are making money off of it. And Trump gets a good grade on his, uh, on his performance report. Yeah. Absolutely freaking ridiculous. And I, I can tell you this right now. If, let's just say that a Democrat wins, even if Hillary runs again and wins, let, we'll, we'll see. She's not going to run again, though. But I'm not going to relitigate that. Um, the EPA chief would be gone, and then every it'll be like reverse uh, Trump, what he did to Obama. Like all the all the horrible shit that Trump did will just be instantly reversed. So all the stuff that Scott Pruitt did, all the stuff this new guy is doing, just yeah, let's just get back to the business of protecting the planet. Blue, you ever, you ever see pictures of the USA before the EPA started? Pictures before the USA, before the EPA started. Is that the yeah. industrial era where it looked like, damn, London about 30 years ago, 70 years ago? Yeah, exactly. Piles of garbage everywhere. I, I saw a picture where they had uh, the New York skyline in, in the 1970s and the New York skyline now. And the skyline in the 70s just looked like it was just slate gray. Like you almost couldn't see the buildings in the background compared to now, you know, because these things take time to heal. Like if you ever have somebody who smokes, right, and people always urge people to quit smoking, why? Right? You know, if you've been smoking for 10 years and they say you should quit smoking, why? Because unless you develop lung cancer or emphysema, or something permanent, your body can recover from the damage done. So it may take a little bit longer if you've been smoking for longer, but if you have been smoking for 10, 12, 15 years and you stop smoking, eventually your lungs will clear up and you'll be okay. Now, if you get emphysema, that's something else. There, there's, no, there's no walking back from that, you know. But just like uh, the country will heal. You know, if we cut down on all these carbon emissions, if we do all this stuff, eventually, you know, the environment will heal. But we have, you know, President Moneybags, who just figures, okay, well, yeah, the environment's great and all, but I can make more money if I just pollute stuff all the time. I know that sounds, I know that sounds simplistic, but just think about it. Why else would he roll back rules about allowing people to dump waste in rivers? That just seems to be EPA 101. You can't dump waste in the rivers because people drink water from the rivers. You remember the coal ash incident where, um, what was it, Duke Energy was dumping all that coal ash in the rivers. Coal ash is toxic. You know, the whole thing that went down in Jersey where Governor Christie stepped in and um, basically gave those, uh, those companies who were dumping uh, all the toxic stuff a slap on the wrist. Because you remember when they had the whole thing with BP, right? And the Obama administration came down and gave them those really, really heavy fines. How all these Republicans were like, oh, my God, that's so horrible. You're so anti-business. No, these people pretty much just destroyed Louisiana and destroyed the whole ecosystem. And what? Their guys just supposed to be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry all your plants and animals are dead. The fuck? Find the living shit out of them. 
make them clean it up, and then make them pay to clean it up. And when the Obama administration did that, they, you know, Republicans went ballistic, and they were just like, oh, my God, how dare you? No, how dare you ruin the country and expect it to be, be like, I'm sorry. Man, fuck you. But that's the world we live in today. Uh, profits over people, you know. And they, they trick people into believing that that's a good thing. They actually trick people into believing that America's made too much money. I, <laughs> I, I don't know how that's a thing. I really don't. You know, we, we, we talked about people who were born into money. Another such person is Betsy DeVos, who is our uh, energy, not energy secretary, sorry. That's, uh, that's Rick Perry. Um, she's our education secretary. Now, I know it's kind of funny. There couldn't be a worse education secretary if that secretary couldn't read, like if they were illiterate. Like that's the only way that an education secretary could be worse than Betsy DeVos. Because Betsy DeVos, her whole thing is not about education. You ever, Blue, did you ever watch those, um, those videos where – People in the, in the committees, like for Congress, asked Betsy DeVos questions that any education secretary should know, and she didn't know it. And you would figure, okay, on the first day, you know, maybe you didn't know, but maybe like a year later, okay, you studied this stuff down, you got it down. And then a year later, you're just as dumb as you were on the first day on the job. Because that's not her goal. Her goal is not to further education. Her goal is to further profits. Betsy DeVos is another person who was born rich. She was a billionaire from the day she was born. And the only reason why she got that job is because her family basically donated millions and millions of dollars to the Republican Party. They made their money on Amway. Blue, do you, do you know people who sell Amway? Like, I, I, I've never known people that sell Amway, but maybe, like, one or two, they're not rich. <laughs> they, they, Amway is basically a legal pyramid scheme, and that's how these people made their money, off of Amway. Matter of fact, they make, they make so much money off of Amway, they have their own stadium in Orlando. I think, what was it, the... Uh, the Orlando Magic. I think they play in the Amway Center. So you figure you had people who made money off of ruining other people's lives legally. Legally. And yeah, yeah, we'll just let our, our, our dumbass daughter, as Louis C. K. said, our, our grown up jizz just run the education department. Really? And then you think she's going to be all about education. No. What she's doing is she's making it harder for people to pay back their student loans. Right? She's making it harder for people to go to college because she's all about charter schools. And we all know charter schools suck. You know? And you figure, all right, the story that happened, uh, what was it, last week? where somebody untied Betsy DeVos's yacht and just set it adrift. And then it had, uh, it got damaged, and they were trying to make it sound like, oh, poor me. 
I had $10,000 worth of damage on my $40 million yacht. Jenk Uger from Young Turks put it in perspective. That's like if you had a $40,000 car and then you had to pay $100 worth of damage. That's kind of the, the damage that yacht got. But a journalist who was on the story noticed something about the yacht. The yacht was flying the flags of the Cayman Islands. And they were like, huh, well, that's peculiar. And they found out that it's all a scheme to avoid paying taxes on the yacht. So they have the yacht registered. Instead of having it registered in America, they have it registered through the Cayman Islands. And now the yacht is supposedly just uh, visiting. <laughs> you know, it's absolutely ridiculous how these, you know, flannel-wearing, lunchbox-carrying, you know, supposedly red-blooded Americans will look at someone, you know, they hate Hillary because Hillary's rich. And they're like, oh, she's, you know, oh, she's a limousine liberal, right? But what they don't figure is, hey, um, so is Betsy DeVos. I mean, she's not a liberal, but... She's filthy, stinking rich. Hillary didn't grow up in money. Betsy DeVos did. Okay. At least Hillary had to hustle for her money. And here's the thing about, uh, you know, the whole thing with people like Betsy DeVos, people like Wilbur Ross, who I'll talk about Wilbur Ross probably on Saturday. That's a whole nother ridiculous thing that he supposedly stole tens of millions of dollars from people. Okay. His whole cabinet is the swamp. So he's talking about draining the swamp. No. It, his whole cabinet is full of swamp monsters. So you figure, here's a, this is from uh, Newsweek. Okay. Registering a yacht in a locale like the Caymans under what has come to be known as a flag of convenience allowed those American yacht owners to effectively characterize themselves as foreigners for tax purposes, thereby avoiding the obligation of paying the standard levies. When we were kids in, in Long Island, you know, of course, you know, the dream, you know, when you live in the suburbs is to have your own pool. And my dad ended up getting a, a nice 18-foot above-ground pool, and then he got built a deck around it, a really nice deck around it. Eventually, you know, those pools, and they tell you when you buy them, yeah, eventually they're going to rot out. And it did. And eventually they had to break the whole thing down. Right? But he wanted to get an in-ground pool. My neighbor next door has an in-ground pool. It's a beautiful pool. Right? But the problem with the in-ground pool is if he got an in-ground pool, he found out every year he would have to pay luxury tax on the pool. And he was like, damn that. Like, I may be in a union, but I ain't got money like that to spend on, you know, luxury tax every year on a pool. So he had the pool built above ground because the above ground pool you didn't have to pay luxury tax on. So you figure if you're a billionaire, you were born a billionaire, and you're still doing little, t little tricks like this in order to avoid paying taxes, here's the thing. When rich people don't pay taxes, who has to cover that? Us. And I think that's the one thing that these jagoffs 
who vote for Trump don't realize. They're like, yeah, we, you know, we get tax cuts. Why? So you can get $300? So you can buy, what, what are you going to buy for $300? You're going to buy a hammock? You're going to pay half of one medical bill? What are you going to do with that $300 that you're going to get? Or your, or your job gives you $1,000, right? And then after taxes, you come home at like 550 bucks, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. I got a bonus from my job. I was happy as all hell because that was 550 bucks I didn't have the, the day before. But there's a caveat to that. Yeah, I got my 550 bucks and I put it toward my bills. I paid off a lot of bills at that 550 bucks. But now... On the back end, I'm going to be paying way more than that 550 bucks in taxes when my taxes, when my little tax advantage runs out and the rich people's tax advantage becomes permanent. And you figure Betsy DeVos, who's a billionaire, didn't want to pay a couple million dollars in taxes on her, on her $40 million yacht, so she has it registered in another, in another country? Really? Is that, is that how we're going to do things now? Come on. You've got to be shitting me. So. I, I, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit because this story actually came up, on my, uh, came up last, and I was going to talk about this on the solo show, but it's actually, I, I need something positive to talk about. So I'm going to talk about, well, positivity that came out of tragedy. And we're going, to, we're going to talk about uh, Michael Brown, the young man who was shot to death by, well, shot to death. No, the man who was murdered by the cops in Ferguson, Missouri. Okay. So this is from CNN. And this is about uh, Michael Ferguson's mom, uh, who is now running for, uh, she's now running for city council. You know. And I know Blue wanted to talk on this. He had to drop out for a bit. So he had the, you know, he, he's got stuff to do, <laughs> important stuff, right? But um, basically, you know, he had something to say about it. I mean, not, you know, not this nor like that, but just saying, you know, she may win just based on the sympathy vote, you know. And it's not always a bad thing. You know, it depends on what you want to do with that sympathy vote. If you if you use that that quote unquote sympathy vote and then you just do shitty things with it, that's one thing. But if she does a sympathy vote and does good things with it, I'll take it. I, I'd vote if I lived there. I'd vote for her. I would even know what her platform is. I'd vote for her. So this is her quote on on CNN. She said, "Almost four years ago to this day, I ran down this very street." Uh, and my son was covered in a sheet. It broke me. It brought me down to my knees and made me feel crippled, as if I could do nothing else anymore. This is during a news conference. She said, I learned to walk again, and this is one of my first steps. Okay. Michael Brown's death, of course, you know, helped bring about Black Lives Matter. You know. So he's kind of, in a way, like a modern-day Emmett Till. You know how Emmett Till's murder helped spark the, the civil rights movement. You know. So if elected, Mick Spadden, that's his mom, would focus on community policing, economic equality, and access to health care for all of Ferguson's young children. She says she'd also work to rebuild the relationship between the police and residents of, of the St. Louis area city of about 20,000 people 
Nearly two-thirds of that number are African-American. Okay. She says, I'm not going to give up. And when I'm elected, I will be the people's voice and not just the people's choice. Okay. Look at that. She's already rhyming. <laughs> Politicians who rhyme are awesome. Um, McSpadden also had a message for those who may, who may question her qualifications. She said, I'll tell you. If a mother had to watch her son lay in the street for four and a half hours and watch a community be completely disrespected by elected officials that we elected, what would you do? Would you stand up? Uh, you, no, she said you would stand up and you would fight too. You know, I, I know I talk about her a lot, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and um, I'm probably going to post that segment on Facebook for Blue and for Odie. Because they mentioned, uh, I, I talked about it on a Saturday show. And I talked about a, I thought it was an article about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez about when she started to run for office. And it wasn't an article, it was a segment on the Young Turks. And the segment was titled, This Politician May Have Messed With the Wrong Woman. And it was about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and why she decided to run for office. And it was because um, her father died very suddenly and did not leave a will. So there is a court that handles these things. So if you don't have an estate, or if you have an estate and didn't will it to anybody, uh, there's a court that handles these sorts of things in New York. Yeah. And they, they, it's often called, uh, it's nicknamed the, the Widows and Orphans Court. Right? So you figure, okay, you know, my dad didn't leave a will. So I go to court, I get taken care of, it take maybe three weeks, maybe a month. I'll, I'll give it six weeks. No, it took her four years to get everything straightened out. Four years. In that time, they still had bills to pay. And in that time, all these legal fees are mounting up. And it got so bad for her family that the bank was actually taking pictures of her house because they were going to foreclose and sell the house. And, of course, you know, they finally, they, they made it through. But... That experience, you know, was one of the things that drove her to run against Joe Crowley. Why Joe Crowley? Because Joe Crowley, those people who run that office, there are three lawyers who run that particular office. Those are Joe, those are Joe Crowley's boys, right? He runs that office. One of the guys, just one of them, right, in... I don't have the article in front of me. Well, it was a segment, right? But one of them, they actually made over the course of seven, eight years, I think it was. Don't quote me on that. But they made over $30 million. So you made $30 million leeching off of other people's estates that should be going to their families. And that's how you made your money. Basically, robbing the dead. Here's the thing that always kills me. You, you talk about rich people, and they bitch about the estate tax. So they have the estate tax, and the first thing they say is, well, damn it, you're taxing us twice. No, we're not taxing you twice, because the original person who owned the money is dead. Okay? So Worthington J. Monocle is dead. So we're not taxing him, because he's dead. Okay? We're taxing you, because now you have that money. Oh, so if you're a billionaire, so, oh, I get to walk away with $750 million. Oh, poor you. 
right? You figure somebody has an estate. When you hear estate, you may be thinking a lot of money. It may not be a lot of money. It may be, you know, it may be your life insurance. It may be, you know, something much more, uh, much more modest. And then you have some parasite leeching off of that, dragging you out for four years. And that's why they, that's why they named that segment. This politician may have messed with the wrong woman, and it, and it turned out they were exactly right. And Young Turks makes no bones about it. They were like, yeah, we, you know, she's just as Democrats. So we support her in her campaign, right? And um, she won. <laughs> so uh, I'm really hoping that, really, really hoping, fingers crossed, okay, that her name is uh, Leslie McSpadden. Leslie with a Z. You know, I am really hoping that she wins. And I am hoping that she keeps her promises to fight for all the things that she says she's going to fight for. I'm a big proponent of community policing. Because community policing, it just basically, it just changes the meta. And I don't know if you guys ever, if any of you guys are gamers. I play uh, Overwatch a lot. And if you ever have, or if you have a kid or a nephew or even a friend who plays video games, and they talk about the meta shifted, you know what the meta is in that case is the basic strategy, but it's not a strategy that's made by the people who made the game. So if you play Overwatch, right, the way you play your characters, you would form a team, right? If something changes, like all of a sudden you have a new character that can counter that team, then that means you're gonna have to change the meta. You got to change your strategy in order to compete. And that's what these people are doing. The meta is shifting. And the meta is, hey, if we sit down and we wait for these politicians to do for us, we will be dead. And there will still be no change. What we need to do is we need to throw our hats in the ring and do it ourselves. Cynthia Nixon gave a speech recently, and she was talking about the centrists. And she was basically saying, hey, listen, you know, they think that Primarying the centrists is a bad idea. No, the centrists are just doing a horrible job. I'm paraphrasing her, of course. I'm butchering her words, but uh, the gist of it is, is that, you know, as long as we have centrists in office, nothing's ever going to get done. Nothing. You have to, uh, if you want something done right, you got to throw your hat in the ring, and you got to fight for it. Because this is America, and anybody can run. Okay, as long as you meet the minimum requirements, you know, for your state to run, you can run. I mean, Cynthia Nixon is an actress, you know, and that's not such a stretch. I mean, Ronald Reagan was an actor. He had a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you know. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who were other things before they became politicians, It's not it's not that much of a stretch. So speaking of speaking of, of, of a stretch <laughs> Brock Turner. Brock Turner, if you if you're thinking, where do I know that name? Oh yeah, that Weasley little rapist kid. Right? You know Brock Turner was convicted of uh raping a young girl behind a dumpster at a 
I don't know if they were at a bar or party or whatever it was, but the girl had fallen. She had way too much to drink, and she was unconscious, and Brock Turner was basically taking advantage of her. And basically, two guys had to, like, pull him off of her, and then he, then he ran. I, th- I think they caught him. But, um, you know, he was convicted. They gave him six months in prison and then gave him uh, three months for good behavior. So, he only, so for rape, he only served three months in prison, right? So here's the thing. He was never really convicted of actual, like, first-degree rape. They had some bullshit little... Uh, little uh, consolation prizes, I guess you can call it, you know. It's no consolation prize for the girl, you know, but it's a consolation prize for Brock because he only had to spend three months in prison as opposed to, I don't know, 10 years <laughs> that he probably should have spent. But, okay, well, I'll put it like this, you okay? you know. All these laws and stuff like that, they, there's so many of them going around. I, I say 10 years, someone else may disagree with me, and that's fine. But he still should have gotten a hell of a lot more than three months. Come on. You know, I didn't pull the article, but the young man who, uh, the NFL prospect, who spent six years in prison, you know, of course he didn't do it. And uh, the girl who accused him ended up getting over a million dollars from the school, you know. And if he didn't do it, you know what that means? That means that there was no physical evidence, and he still spent six years in prison. They had actual eyewitnesses, and this dude uh, spent three months in prison. So the reason why I bring him up is because I think I may, I think me and Odie may have mentioned it on the show, on one of the Saturday shows, but he was trying to get his, uh, his rape conviction overturned, and his lawyer basically used the, uh, the excuse of, well, you know, because he was still clothed, right? So he was saying that he, that he wasn't trying to have intercourse with her. He was trying to have overcourse. I didn't just make that shit up out of thin air. That's what the lawyer said. He's trying to have, no, not, not overcourse, outer course. So, of course, the episode of intercourse is outer course, right? And the judges were just in the panel. We're just like, no, we're not going to do that. The conviction stands. You are, and the reason why he wants the conviction overturned is because now he's a registered sex offender. And he will have that registered sex offender title for life. But, you know, he's trying to beat that. I mean, you figure if the influenza kid who murdered people, killed people, could get off because his lawyer could convince a jury that, well, his parents never taught him right or wrong. He was born rich. His parents never taught him right or wrong. He didn't know. He, was, he may as well have just gotten caught and been like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I killed all those people. But I didn't know what I was doing. I have influenza. <clears throat> really? So I guess his lawyer has shades of influenza and try to say, try to make up some bullshit like outer course, and then the judge was just like, no, we're not going to do that. It, it, it's going to stand. <laughs> oh, man. 
Commercial time. It's only Monday, and I'm already yawning. It's only in in my where in my times. I'm in the east. I'm in the east coast. It's only not even quarter after eight yet, and I'm yawning. I need to exercise more. Is what that is. I think I spend too much time sitting around looking up news articles and you know bitching to people on Twitter. <laughs> I spend too much time yelling at centrist Democrats on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go outside and do some laps, so maybe I won't be yawning at 8.15 in the evening. But I got one more thing I want to talk about before I wrap it up, and uh, it's about immigration. You know, I, I'd probably say this ad nauseum, but, you know, my parents, my mom passed away uh, a few years ago. Uh, she died a resident alien. You know, she'd been in the country for almost, for, no, about 40 years by the time she passed on. You know, she came from the West Indies in the, the late 60s. And um, my father, you know, they came over, of course, they came over together. And uh, he became, in the 80s, he became a naturalized American citizen. So he is a full citizen. He could vote. He doesn't vote because he thinks that all politicians are trash. <laughs> he hates all politicians, so he doesn't vote. But... Uh, he can if he wants to. My mother would not have been able to vote because she's a resident alien. So she's in the country legally, but, she's, but she wasn't a full citizen, right? So here's my thing. I understand the whole thing about illegal immigration, okay? I understand we can't just have open borders. I, can't, I understand that we can't just have people just, you know, grab your bags and come to America and be like, I live here now, you know? And I don't want to hear all this shit about Mexico, where they were just like, well, it was their country before it was our country. Yeah, you know who would disagree with that? The Aztecs and the Incans. Hey, whatever happened to those guys? Oh, yeah, they're all dead. Because Mexican culture didn't really start until the 1800s. Until then, it, they were colonizers from Spain. Mexican history and United States history is parallel because we both came from Europe and they both just murdered the indigenous people. You know why? Because smallpox is a hell of a disease. So look up Cortez. I think he spells it with an S, and then just take it from there. But, you know, he will say, he's their country for his own country. Yeah, I understand that. I do. But, you know, we kicked their asses. We took their land. That's how it worked, you know. But it is what it is. And then I don't know about now. But now may be different, but um, we're talking like 10 years ago, you know, people, you know, the Mexican president at the time was shaming the United States for their rough immigration laws. And meanwhile, you had, if you were an immigrant from Central America coming into Mexico, um, your first offense was, would be a year in prison. For us, legal immigration is a misdemeanor. For them, you get a year in prison. So I don't know how it is now. You know, we're talking 10 years ago. Now, maybe totally different, you know. But I didn't bring this up to bitch about Mexico. I brought it up to bitch about the fact that legal immigrants are under fire under the, under the Trump administration now. Because now Trump feels that he's proved his point with the, uh, with the refugees. And while I am 100% against illegal immigration, I am 1,000% for refugees. Please, bring them on in. I don't care. Because a lot of these countries where these people come from are countries that we probably ruined, like Central America, like Syria. Or at least we had a hand in Syria. 
you know. So it's not like, oh, okay, you know. Or, you know, even if you have an earthquake, please come on through. We got you. We're America. We got you. You know, but this whole thing about, you know, oh, my God, they're coming over and then they're going to, well, no, that's absolutely not true. I hate when they do that. Oh, they'll come over and take our jobs. Oh, if you want to pick lettuce, there's plenty of lettuce picking jobs out there just waiting for you. You don't, you don't, it's, please, if you want to pick lettuce and pick strawberries and pick grapes for a living, do that. Those jobs are out there. (laughs) You don't have to fight for them. You understand? But the fact that he has Stephen Miller on his side, talk about Trump. You know, Stephen Miller is basically, he's a ghoul. He's a flesh-eating ghoul. You know, his uncle wrote an op-ed about him. About, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing, but his uncle put him out there about, you know, where his people come from. I, I said it recently, you know, you go back in your history far enough, you're from someplace else. I'm the proud son of immigrants, you know. It doesn't matter if you go back to Plymouth Rock. You're from, if you're not a Native American, you're from someplace else. You know, I don't believe in shutting down immigration. I believe in streamlining our system to make it, uh, make people coming over, make it safer and make it quicker. That's what I believe in. But now that Trump has proved his point with the fact that, hey, we'll take your kids from you if you try to cross the border, even though applying for asylum is 100% legal until he made it illegal, right? Now he wants to go after legal immigrants. And Stephen Miller's plan is basically if you're a legal immigrant, right, so if you have a green card and you've ever used public services that could be grounds for deportation. I'm not making that up, right? But here's the problem with that. People bitch about illegal immigrants, and they say, well, you know, they're coming over here and they're getting all welfare. If you're an illegal immigrant, you can't get welfare. The fuck is you talking about? You can't get welfare if you're an illegal immigrant, because to get welfare, you have to apply for it. And to apply for it, you need ID, which you probably don't have, if you're an illegal immigrant, right? I mean, if you work a job, you may be able to buy someone's social security number and work that way just to get in there. But, hey, is that social security money going to your retirement? No. It's going to the retirement of the person that you stole it from. Okay? So all these people who bitch about illegal immigrants taking from the system, no, they're contributing to the system and not getting anything out of it because they can't because they're here illegally. They just want the cash so they can send it home to their people so they don't starve. Right? So now he's going after legal immigrants, and I have a huge problem with that, not just because it's wrong, (laughs) but it's the logic behind it. If you're here legally... That means you have a social security number. That means that you pay taxes. So it's not like you're stealing from the system. You are a part of the system now. If you hold a green card, even if you just hold a visa, a work visa, if you have a work visa, they still give you a social security number. So you're still part of the system. So you are allowed to take from the system that you contributed to. So... 
they want to go over these people's uh, paperwork, and if they find quote-unquote discrepancies, then they want that to be grounds to deport people. Can you imagine them coming after my father and saying, hey, uh, you spelled uh, as wrong or something equally stupid, and then they try to deport him? This man's been in the country for almost, no, actually from the late 60s, so he's been almost 50 years. And you want to deport him over a paperwork mistake? From fifty from from years ago, <sighs> however many guards you bring to come get my dad, and my dad is not a huge guy, but he would just become the eye of anger if INS folks came to be like, "Well, we gotta take you back to Dominica." Somebody getting fucked up. <laughs> oh, I gotta say, someone's not gonna make it home. <laughs> they gonna be like, "Where's daddy?" Oh, well, you know, they just shouldn't have tried to take that legal immigrant, that naturalized American citizen, back to his home country. That's why you don't have a daddy anymore. Because <laughs> your daddy works for ICE, and ICE is the Gestapo. You know, you know why we don't need ICE? Because we have the INS. The INS patrols the borders. So what the fuck does ICE do? You know, that's like having cops and they're like, you know what, let's just throw uh, other cops on top of these cops and just have these cops just walk around and shadow the other cops. Like, yeah, we already have cops. We all need extra cops with different uniforms to shadow us. What ICE is doing is what INS does. INS patrols the border, and they have for many years. ICE was what? Not even 10 years old. No. 2003, so maybe like 13, 14 years old. They're not that old. They're just basically the propaganda wing of, uh, you know, not even the propaganda wing. Sorry, I'm sorry. They're the, uh, the terror wing for the Trump administration. They're there to put fear into immigrants. Even though Trump... It, even though Trump is, Trump is married to a fucking immigrant, her Melania's parents just became American citizens this week through chain migration. And now Trump is trying to kick other immigrants out of the country. Well, the brown ones. Let's just, let's just make it real. He's trying to get the brown ones out of the country. Okay? The, the, the white ones, they can stay. You know, Melania's folks can stay. But all, all you all you brown people, you know, all you yellow people, get the hell out. We don't we we don't need you. <laughs> you know. All you yellow people, leave the recipe for your kung pao chicken and just get the fuck out. All you brown people, all you Indian folks, you know what, if you're a doctor, we'll we'll keep you behind. But all the rest of you, all you cab drivers, get the fuck out. Only thing that's only thing Trump hates about black people is that he can't deport us. <laughs> that's why he really hates black people because he can't deport us. Because <laughs> if, if he could deport us, he'd have already done it, pretty much. And, and I don't understand how. And then it's funny how they turn it around because then they'll 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 turn around and say, well, 
How could Trump be racist? He's married to an immigrant. But uh, I, I, I don't understand the stupidity of these people. I really don't. Trump's nice to one black guy that made him money back in the days. Talk about Mike Tyson, and all of a sudden he's not racist, even though all his policies are right. Not okay, not all. I'm being, uh, I'm being glib here, but you know, when you make horrible immigration policies like, hey, let's ban all Muslims, you can't tell me that there's something behind that. Just that just makes that okay. It's just not. But, but anyway, I've been running my mouth for long enough tonight. Blue had to drop out, so I'm going to go ahead and get this wrapped up. And I'm just going to give my final word for the evening, and I'm basically just going to say, hey, uh, it's almost September, okay? We are almost halfway through August. September's coming up, which means that November is coming up really fast. This is the end of the year, okay? We're, what, two weeks away from two, maybe three weeks away from Labor Day, right? You figure today is Monday. So, yeah, Labor Day is in three weeks, right, three weeks from today. After Labor Day, the rest of the year goes downhill, okay? And what's going to come right after Halloween is Election Day. So if you are not registered to vote, get registered to vote. Your, you have a website for your town, for your city, what have you. Make sure you're registered. Make sure you're in the system. And if you're in one of those states where they're purging voters for inactivity, make sure you check and make sure you're registered. And if you're not registered, re-register. Don't let inactivity be a reason for you not voting. Okay. So this has been another episode of Politrix with, uh, with me and my band of eclectic cronies, which ended up just being me. <laughs> <laughs> for the evening, you know, we'll catch it with Mr. Blue on Saturday, and uh, Odie's dealing with some personal stuff, and then we'll get it all back together, all right? All right. You guys enjoy yourselves, and have a good week.